FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 147 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason. I am Groot. No, wait, I'm not Groot. I just look like Groot Venable. And I'm here with a bonus flashback episode. And no, unfortunately, it is not Mutant Massacre Part 2. But believe you me, that is coming soon. I really, really wanted to try to do the second part of that in person, like we did the first part with Cameron. So I'm waiting till we can uh, get our schedules uh, congealed. My people are still talking to his people, but uh, we'll work it out soon. And if we can't, we'll do it over over the uh, airwaves or whatever. But so I wanted to do just a really short episode, just so we have something to, to, to put out this week. And honestly, I have some stories here that don't really fit anywhere, particularly in the timeline. We're going to focus on a very, very short story that was included in the Best of Marvel that was, that was uh, released in January of 1987, which is just a few months ahead of where we are in the other flashback kind of timeline. But the story is kind of a just sometime in this general time (laughs) when it takes place. And uh, same thing with the other stories we'll talk about. We have a couple others that I will get to. Won't lie, this will probably be a pretty short episode, but that's why it's a bonus episode in this bonus material. So, the story uh, in the best of Marvel is The Hunter. And it's a really short story, but I thought it was really cool that, um, I mean, 87, we're pretty much at the height of uh, Wolverine's popularity. He is one of the most popular characters at Marvel already by this point. And so it makes sense that he would have a story included in this compilation. It's also cool that it was an original story and not a reprint. Uh, I think there were, I don't have this book, like the actual whole volume. I think it was a mix of like new stories and reprints. But uh, the Wolverine one was a new one and that was cool. And like I said, it is called The Hunter. It is an adventure of Wolverine. Written by Chris Claremont. Penciled by Marshall Rogers. Lettered by Tom Orzakowski. And uh, so that's our team. And basically, this is a story of Wolverine returning to Japan. Someone has kidnapped Mariko and sent a uh, ransom note to Wolverine. This is a guy, I think his name, what's his name? Um, Sabuko, or Sabuko. Georgie, how do you say it? I don't know. I know you're in L.A. now, but you're still my uh, Japanese authority for the podcast that goes nicked. I think it's Sabuko. But anyway, that's my guess. But he uh, is trying to make a play in the Japanese underworld. And he thinks that by uh, kidnapping Mariko from the clan Yoshida and getting Wolverine to kind of like bow and cower to him to get her back, that that'll be a good way to show he's he's ready for prime time. But of course, we know Wolverine's not going to do that. And that's why this is called the hunter. He's going to hunt. Mariko out himself. He has a meet where he's supposed to drop off the money and pay to get his woman back. 
but uh, he's not going to. We start off with a really cool narration, and since this story is only like seven pages, I'm just going to read a little bit of it for you. <clears throat> Goes like this. <laughs> All my life, I've been a hunter. Comes as naturally to me as breathing, and occasionally it's more fun than a fight. Tonight, though, is business, not pleasure. Someone's kidnapped the woman I love. I aim to get her back. Tokyo, capital of Japan. People say heir to New York's title as de facto capital of the world. I'm Canadian by birth, but this city, this country, are my adopted home. Note said bring the ransom here to this low-life district. I'd be met, presumably, by those two joy boys and a small army of pals. Do as I'm told, nobody gets hurt. Fat flaming chance on both counts. You steal my lady, I'm not the one who pays. <laughs> thought that was a great line. Uh, but basically he says, you know, I see these guys, but I don't need them to find Mariko. I can trace her scent through the town. And that's what he does. And he hops over a wall, goes to an old Japanese palace on the fringes of the city. And it's a pretty cool looking palace. And he sees some guard dogs, actually uh, some dogs on the leash of a mandroid. So we, this guy has some mandroids. We get kind of a callback to uh, the Wolverine solo series, the miniseries by uh, Claremont and Miller. Kind of swims through the moat and climbs up the wall in shadow. Very reminiscent of of that scene in the in the Wolverine miniseries. And pretty much almost as cool looking. So he climbs in and he's on a beam. He says with his hypersenses he can barely see the laser line that's the security breach and he trips the alarm on purpose. And in an awesome scene, he gets shot full of lead and there's some nice shadows and there's kind of the flare of the, of the gunfire and he falls from the ceiling and the samurai guards with barrels and cigarettes both smoking um, <laughs> says, wow, that sure was easy. This guy didn't live up to his rep. So they drag his bloody broken body to Sabuko-san and they say, we caught uh, Mariko's lover, the so-called champion of her clan. And of course, Sabuko knows him. He's like, Wolverine, shot dead. The fool, he was warned. Now the other Yakuza gangs will have to accept me as their absolute overlord. My triumph is absurd. And then of course, Wolverine wakes up. We get a nice little focus on his eyes and he's like, don't bet on it, bub. And he starts going to town on the guards. We get a nice snicked. And, you know, for something that was kind of um, geared at a, a main wide audience, it's kind of bloody as he's slicing through the mandroids. Lots of blood on his claws and coming through the armor. And he's like, their armor is meant to withstand a tank. And my claws are adamantium. They can slice through anything. So he's cutting off arms and legs and eyes and all kinds of stuff. And he catches up to Sabuko with a party's over, bub. <laughs> and he puts his fist up to his neck. And Sabuko plays the ace up his sleeve. Ah, what you didn't know is that just in case you came without paying the money, I had Mariko remote controlled inside one of the androids. When you killed all of them, you killed her as well. But Mariko's like, Wolverine, that is not so. I am still alive, my love. And uh, Wolverine's like, yeah, I know. I can smell ya. <laughs> I only cut that one enough to let you out. Kind of like a can opener. 
And then we have an off-panel snicked. Remember where Wolverine's hand was at Sabuko's neck? And Mariko gasped. And we see uh, Wolverine, he says, we see his face and kind of from the, the looking down his hand. And he says, I'll say this once in Japanese so you'll understand. You're done with crime. Make another move or even a threat against Mariko or Clan Yoshida and I'll come back. And we see Sabuko and he's got two cuts on both sides of his neck. And then we see Wolverine and he's got his two outside claws extended but he didn't pop the middle one. And he says, I'll come back to finish what I started. Basically he says, you know, I could have popped this claw and killed you. I'm letting you off with just two little uh, nicks. Just tell, tell your friend you cut yourself shaving. And Wolverine says, he got the message. I get a happy ending. Uh, me and Mariko were safe. And that's the end of that story. So the art is pretty good. Um, no, there's no inker credited. So I don't know if Rogers did that, like, ink, if he inked himself. Oops. Um, or not. But, um. It's pretty good. I'll admit, I didn't have this story. Actually, I got it in um, the Wolverine First Cuts trade paperback, which uh, came out with the last Wolverine movie. Is kind of a, here's a bunch of stories about Wolverine's origin and stuff he did in Japan. So that was pretty cool. Just kind of collect some old, kind of random stories, including some of the Wolverine miniseries. And why you would only want part of that, I don't know. But I mean, I understand Marvel doing it from... For a, a space perspective. But I'm like man. I, why would you want to have just like part of that story. But anyway. But I was pretty stoked when I, I saw the credits. Before I got the book. And um, Marshall Rogers had a really awesome. Just visually awesome looking. Little arc on a detective comics. In the early 80's. And of course at that point he was inked by Terry Austin. And it looked amazing. Like. Like up there at the towards the top of, of my list of. of art combinations I really really enjoy especially like from from the retro days so I was really hoping for that and while the art is really good it's not kind of that perfect amazing and so I know that sounds negative I don't mean it negative the art is really pretty fantastic but I kind of had set the bar a little high in my mind and my imagination like yes Marshall Rogers drawn Wolverine I can't wait and it didn't didn't quite get there but it was still really good and the story was was great the idea that uh you know these guys make a power play and they kidnap mariko to to make a a show of their strength against wolverine and he doesn't play ball and the fact that he got like he gets shot on purpose so they can take his body to the boss and then he goes off and kills all the guards and lets the boss know he could have killed him and it's like you're not gonna mess with me anymore right bub (laughs) just a really really great story and it feels similar and kind of spiritually in tune with the Wolverine miniseries. So I thought that was really cool. It's too bad it was so short, but credit to the artistic team for making it really work in a very limited number of pages. They told a nice, compact, but good story. And yeah, overall, I would give The Hunter, as originally found in the Best of Marvel Volume 1, but I would give the Hunter story itself six out of six claws. It's it was a lot of fun to read. I'm I didn't even really know about it to be honest until I went making my list for podcast episodes uh, months ago. I was like, ooh, I need to grab that somewhere, and I'm glad I did. All right, so Wolverine also shows up in Marvel Fanfare number thirty three. This is Shadows on the Soul. It's written by Chris Claremont, penciled by June Brigman inked by Terry Austin, 
lettered by Rick Parker, colors by Glennis Oliver. And with a special thanks to Quest Probe editor Bob Budansky. And I don't remember what Quest Probe is. Let's, uh, let's do a quick Google search. Oh. <laughs> so it's a trilogy of graphic novel adventure computer games. Or no. So it's, it's computer games, and they cl- they came with little um, comic books. Well, that explains a lot about this story. So it was a Commodore 64 game. You know what? I, I think me and Cameron played this before. No. Because it features the Hulk, Spider-Man, the Human Torch, and the Thing. And the Marvel game we had, I'm pretty sure featured heavily on Captain America. But I don't know. It might be the game. But anyway, it's a video game, and I guess it came with little comics or whatever. But there was a canceled X-Men game. It was supposed to be the fourth in the series. Um, but it never got published. And so there was a story that was written to go with the game, and it kind of loosely ties into to 80s X-Men continuity. And there's a little blurb at the front of this comic by Al Milgram, who was editing this book, and says that he found the story and thought it needed to see the light of day, so he stuck it in Marvel fanfare, which is kind of a random X-Men story. It's around the time that Magneto first kind of took over the school after Professor X left to go off to uh, Shi'ar space, so he's gone, and Magneto's at large and in charge. And they're taking a break on Magneto's old island that he uh, he raised from the bottom of the sea that time to live on with Lee Forrester. And I remember Lee and Cyclops arrived on that island uh, a long time ago. But um, so Magneto's there and the X-Men are all there and they're swimming in the pool. Uh, Wolverine's in a cowboy hat and some shorty shorts looking super hairy. And um, yeah, so everyone's kind of running around, just kind of relaxing. Kitty tries to sneak up. She dives in the water and then phases through the side of the pool. And she's going to phase up under Wolverine's uh, lawn chair. But Wolverine senses her, smells her, I guess. And he's like, nice try. Next time, try harder. Make it a challenge. Now go get me some beer. <laughs> and Kitty's creeped out by all the uh, aquatic monster statues, kind of gargoyles running around. And Wolverine even admits that he's a little nervous about this city. There's something on this island that's not quite right. And um, <laughs> there's an awesome panel of him taking a, a drink of his beer and having a snicked at the same time. If that's not badass, I don't know what is. And then Storm shows up. She concurs. Something's off about this island. And right on cue, the statues come to life. So they're fighting the statues, but everything the statues touch turn into more statues. So Storm gets turned into a statue. Kitty tries to phase through one. She gets turned into a statue. Wolverine's about to fight. He gets turned into a statue and thrown into the ocean. Colossus punches one and he turns into a statue. And uh, Wolverine's not to be seen again until the end of the comic. He just (laughs) ends up way off in the ocean. Magneto tries to fight with metal and there's some guy in a crystal ball with a Kirby Crackle dimensional doorway. And he's from Computer Land. And there's some race that wants to... uh, Oh... So, Rogue, who recently we just had with a pretty woman uh, shopping montage. Well, she went off to the Bahamas to shop, and she's riding the boat back to the island. And uh, the statue of Wolverine cannonballs into the water next to her. She pulls him out, leaves him in the boat, and flies off to the island. 
where Magneto is taken over by the uh, glovy, cloaky guy, and he fights Rogue, but Rogue gets slammed into the uh, Kirby Crackle doorway. This doorway is from a computer program that is collecting heroes' powers, part of its quest probe. It's probing the Marvel Universe for powers on its quest to defeat the Black Fleet. So Rogue uh, absorbs all the powers from the the doorway. She-Hulk, Spider-Man, Human Torch, etc., so she fights against the possessed Magneto. Meanwhile, in computer land, computerized Magneto finds the guy that, that was in charge. The race was defeated. They fight together to escape. Uh, of course, the X-Men win. The guy's like, oh, sorry. He goes away. There's some bio crystal. Who cares? Um, all the X-Men turn back to normal. Wolverine wakes up and's like, oh, no, my friends are in trouble. And he drives the speedboat back to the island. And he runs up on the beach with claws popped. And everybody's okay. And that's it. Uh, the art is pretty good. The story is dumb. Um, it makes sense now that I know it's tied into a uh, poopy video game that probably didn't have that good of a story. And I'm not. I don't know if I agree with Milgram. This one probably should have been left in um in the filed cabinet of unpublished stories. Yeah. Uh, the best part about the book is there's some pinups by um, Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey. There's a really cool one of the Silver Surfer flying through space. And we have Conan being choked by a monster. And it's kind of cool because you see him in the mirror and you don't see the monster. You just see Conan. Uh, it's Conan the Barbarian, not Conan O'Brien. <laughs> we have a nice one of Doctor Doom sitting on a throne in shadow. We have a cool Doctor Strange one. We have Iron Fist uh, karate chopping Conan the Barbarian in a white background. With his letters, Iron Fist, spelled really big in the background. We have a nice Electra one of her strangely kind of giving us a booty shot, but then doing a karate kick. It's kind of weird, but it's, it's, it looks cool. I mean, the, the art's fine. Then we have Punisher. The Punisher doesn't look that cool, but in the background, there's a big red skull and some fire, like lava type stuff, and that looks great. And then we have Iron Man. This is the uh, red and silver Iron Man. He's either in space or in the night sky fighting that the guy who had the green and greener armor. So the pinups are great. Oh, yeah, the cover, by the way, is a wraparound cover. We have Magneto in a skimpy bathing suit shooting his magnet powers at Rogue. But you can't see his, his bathing suit. You know it's there from the comic. But he looks like he's naked. And then he's um, shooting big pink goo from his crotch all over Rogue, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. You can imagine the rest. Uh, but we have Wolverine and the other X-Men turned into statues around the pool, and we have the silly-looking guy with the cloak and the globe for a head, uh, a rejet Mysterio, floating in the sky, coming out of his Kirby crackled door. Yeah, so this, this comic's pretty terrible. The art's fine, but overall, I'm going to give Marvel Fanfare number 33 one out of six claws. And just to wrap us up, next, uh, Wolverine appears in a flashback. A flashback inside a flashback. Your mind was just melted. Anyway, in a Alpha Flight 47. This is writ. Oh, sorry. This is the trees. The trees. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's the big part. The whole title is You Can't Tell the Forest from the Trees. Anyway, this is written by Bill Mantlo with three pencilers. We have Craig Brosfield, Mike Mignola, or Mignola, Steve Purcell. Inks are by Wouse Portacio and Terry Austin. Letters are by Jim Novak. Colors are by Bob Sharon. 
And uh, basically, we have these spores falling from space. There's a baseball game. There's a fly ball. And the outfielder goes to catch the ball. But a spore falls right alongside of it. And the player's like, two balls? What do I do with two balls? That's what she said. <laughs> anyway, he accidentally catches the spore. And the ball lands beside him. And the coach is yelling, what are you doing? As the other team continues to score. But he looks in his glove and he's got this spore and it cracks open and these roots spread out of his glove and up his arm and he turns into a tree kid. But I guess this is the biggest field ever and the coaches and the other players can't see that he's turning into a giant tree monster and walking off the field. And the kid, or the coach cusses at the kid. I mean, it's comic strip cussing, just kind of punctuation marks, but man, what a terrible coach. He's like, well, if I miss that ball and just let it sit there, I'd walk out the back field, back of the field too. So the kid walks into the forest as he continues to turn into a tree. Then we see Vindicator. She uh, has been called home by her parents, but she doesn't like her parents very much. And so we get a flashback. Turns out that when she married um, Mac James McDonald Hudson, that uh, they eloped. We get a weird scene of when her parents come back to, to gather her back home, to take her back home. And Wolverine is sitting around smoking. He looks like a village person. He's got tight jeans and uh, some boots with fringe that go up to his knees with fringes around it, like little little fringes. And his jeans tucked into his boots and a vest. He's got fingerless gloves on and he's just sitting around smoking. And he's got a V-neck shirt under his vest and he looks like just a big old bear. So... You know, there's that. And, of course, he gets mad that uh, Heather's parents are being so forceful. And he pops his claws at him. and like, you leave Heather alone, bubs. And her parents are like, he's an animal. Our, our daughter can't be around this guy. And they drag her off. But then James comes out and yells. And Heather's like, no, I'm staying. So her parents leave and drive off in a huff, never to be heard from again until now. And Heather's like, oh, they were kind of right, though. Wolverine left. Went off to the X-Men. My husband died, and now I'm in Alpha Flight with my suit. I'm the Vindicator. And she meets her parents, and they're like, Oh, we're sorry, but now we need your help. We're hypocrites, we know. We didn't want you to be involved in all this, but there's everyone's disappearing from our town. It turns out her dad was the really, really crappy baseball coach. The terrible coach. So it looks like he's just a bad guy all the way around. And they go out to find the kids. And they find some of these spores laying on the ground. And her dad turns into a tree man while Heather's off investigating. And she comes back and she starts attacking the spores and frying them with their suit. Then it turns out all the people are full tree people. And they look like a uh, Scooby-Doo version of Groot. Just trees walking around with big old frowns, growling at people. And they just want to take over the planet because they need a new planet. Heather fries all the spores and turns out if she burns the trees... The people are still inside, so she can put out the fire before the tree burns all the way up. She can save all the kids and her, her dad. So that's good. The art's okay. The story's not great. Flashback of Wolverine's fine, I guess. I'm going to give Alpha Flight 47, 2 out of 6 claws. Oh, I forgot the cover was by Kevin Nolan. I did that again. Forgot the cover. It is Vindicator flying at... Some guy on the ground being tortured by a bunch of roots wrapping around him. And she's like, Dad! And the color was cool. It's all kind of the back. It's all like purple and yellow. Which are my school colors, by the way. So that's cool. Go Cowboys. And my wife's school colors. Go Tigers, or however you say it. In Cajun. Alright, so before we uh, close this b -b -b bonus episode out, we have a couple of more 
extraneous superfluous Wolverine appearances. Um, these also, just handful of appearances, are also kind of in the future of our flashback timeline, but they're again, didn't really have any particular place to stick them, and it'll help make this uh, bonus episode a little bit longer, so we're going to do it here. The first thing I have to talk about is Marvel Graphic Novel number 27, otherwise known as Emperor Doom. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I don't have this. <laughs> Honestly, I've never even heard of it um, until I was making my list and checking it twice. And so Wolverine is in it, according to some list, but not all list. So it's in Wolverine's uh, Marvel, complete Marvel reading order. But then when I looked at the Marvel Wiki page, he's not listed. But there are several, several characters, Fantastic Four and X-Men related, that are in this story only in flashback. I'm assuming this book, during during at least part of the graphic novel, gives a nice recap of Doom's life up to that point. You know, where he came from, where he's going, how he pulled himself up by his own mental medieval bootstraps. And, um, you know... I'm going to assume that um, Wolverine was, if he was actually in there, he was in one of those flashback scenes. Now, if any of you listeners have this, why don't you do me a favor and check it out and uh, see if Wolverine's really in there and uh, what capacity uh, he performs. Um, And then you can tweet or email or Facebook and let me know and uh, I'll mention it on the next flashback episode. Here's my guess. So, we know that the X-Men have encountered Doctor Doom just a, a few times. Um, they've been to Latveria a couple of times. Remember, there's that time when uh, Doctor Doom turned Storm into a statue. I don't remember the issue number, but that was the late 70s, early 80s. And so Wolverine would have been there. But I don't know if that really qualifies as, you know, one of the highlights of Doom's life story. You know, if they make a movie, a biopic about Doom. I don't know if that one, if that scene makes the uh, end product. But, I bet you, if I was a betting man, then, um, especially at this point, in, the, in, in 1987, only a few years removed, I bet there's some uh, Secret Wars flashbacks. You know, particularly because Doom kind of became a god. Or had godlike power. It actually becomes something of a god later in another Secret Wars that's now. But back then, you know, he had godlike power, and that's a pretty big uh, character beat. So I'm going to guess, you know, that, that Wolverine was in a Secret Wars flashback that evolved Doom. He was probably in a panel, maybe two, with a bunch of other heroes, and really not worth mentioning. Um, you know, overall. Except for I am mentioning it. Hmm. Oh well. But, you know, that's just me playing Marvel hypothetical. But I feel like it's a pretty educated guess. I feel like all factors considered, not knowing that that's as good a guess as any, that is what I'm going to go with. And, obviously, I will give Marvel Graphic Novel number 27, Bone Claws, since I didn't actually read it. Oh, and another thing. Um, David Michelini, or Michelini wrote it, but Jim Shooter contributed to the uh, plot. So that's another kind of chip on the table that maybe it had to do with Secret Wars since a shooter wrote Secret Wars. He was probably like, yeah, throw that in there. 
<laughs> while Emperor Doom may or may not contain a Wolverine Secret Wars flashback, we have two books that I know for certain do contain such Secret War flashbacks. The first is Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 125, Wrecking Havoc. This is written by Danny Fingeroff. Uh, Jim Mooney is a penciler. Vince Coletta and Art Nichols are the inkers. Rick Parker is the letterer. Bob Sharon did the colors. And this cover is by Bob Hall and Al Milgram. And uh, the story really features the all-new Spider-Woman. Of course, we also met her from the original Secret Wars. And it's some black cover. And it's got Spider-Woman swinging around in her black and white costume on some purple webbing. And she's facing off against the Wrecking Crew. That's uh, a pretty fair cover. Not bad. Pretty good. Anyway, in this story, uh, we've had Spider-Woman in Secret Wars. And of course, remember, she had the black costume first. And uh, Peter based his black costume off of her costume. So there's that. Also, you may remember, she's been popping up in Uncanny X-Men and other books that we don't talk about. (laughs) Uh, But she's been a member of Freedom Force. So anyway, we're kind of sliding her into the main, I guess, spider universe at this point. And um, so obviously that comes with a nice recap, which includes scenes from Secret Wars, which have Wolverine. And... um, also, you know, includes her time with Freedom Force and how she broke away from that because she didn't agree with her teammates. She thought they were, you know, they may have been employed by the government, but they weren't good guys. But, you know, she's kind of wanted as a criminal, but uh, she makes a deal. She'll do some espionage for the government to uh, gain a pardon. So that's what she's going to do. Um, anyway, she's trying to steal some disc and the Wrecking Crew are also trying to steal it. And they all have to duke it out. Eventually, the disc gets broken, and the Wrecking Crew decide they're going to kill Spider-Woman and Spider-Man, who also shows up. So that's that. The art is okay. It's really stiff. You know, it's funny. Um, Milgram inked the cover, but the inside kind of reminds me of his art style. It's kind of classic 80s, but the action's really kind of stilted. In fact, the Secret Wars uh, flashback scene actually looks like Someone set up the old original Secret Wars action figures, you know, that the the series was invented to sell, and set them up in a little diorama and took a picture and then did like some crazy Photoshop filter that made it look like a drawing. (laughs) They're all like straight action figure poses. It's pretty great. There is one, the title page is a really cool panel of all black with uh, the white parts of Spider-Man's costume kind of in, in silhouette. You don't know it's Spider-Woman at first. You actually think it's Spider-Man, but then she crawls into the light, and it's Spider-Woman. Yeah, a story. I kind of like the Wrecking Crew in theory, but they didn't do much for me in this issue. So I'm going to give Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, 125, one out of six claws. So next up, we have Thor 383, featuring an untold tale from Secret Wars. This is This Secret Love, written by Tom DeFalco, penciled by Ron Friends, inked by Brett Breeding, letters by Diana Albers, Stein and Shield did the colors, and on the cover by Friends and Breeding, we have Thor facing off against some Secret Wars baddies and Enchantress kind of hiding out in the background. And in a little banner we have the story we couldn't print until now, Crisis on Battleworld. And now... 
you know, we're, we're taking a break between our Mutant Massacre episodes. And the next part of that, in part two, we're going to do another issue of Thor that's actually before this. But we get a nice editor's note in here that says, the events in this story occur before Thor 377. So we're good. <laughs> anyway, this story is an is basically Enchantress visiting her sister Lorelai and telling her um, kind of the untold story of her and Thor on Battleworld and how she kind of fell for Thor, but Thor wouldn't be deceived and true love, blah, 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 was it? I don't know, whatever. The art's fine. Uh, of course, DeFalco and Friends had an epic, fantastic run right before this unamazing Spider-Man. Uh, this is neither epic nor fantastic. <laughs> Which, it's not, those are two words that should describe a Thor story. I mean, they should be epic and fantastical, at least in nature. But uh, not really. Uh, the art is fine. Uh, Friends does a good job. I don't know if this team is, this is a fill-in, like between some Simonson issues, or this is actually a change in the team. Because right up until this, you have uh, Simonson and Busima doing their classic run but yeah story is is pretty dumb um but the art is enough to bump it up just a little bit i'm gonna give thor 383 two out of six claws and friends is wolverine in the one little secret wars panel looks fine kind of makes you wonder if what he could have done with him um but yeah i don't know so anyway that is just a handful of secret wars flashback possibly <laughs> With a potential outcast of Emperor Doom. But um, the rest for sure. Uh, of Wolverine from Secret Wars. Appearing years later. Because <laughs> that's how Marvel does it. Alright. Cool. So that was uh, kind of a b- 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 bonus flashback episode. Ah, man, I called it. That was short. I talked a little fast. So um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope it'll tide you over until we can get back. Next will either be the much-anticipated second part of Mutant Massacre, or it'll be our next Secret Wars update. I'm not sure what order those will fall in, but uh, we'll get it to you soon. So, as usual, uh, if you want to leave an iTunes review, go ahead. Like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast. Email is SnickCast at Yahoo.com. And the webpage with show notes and stuff is nickcast.podbean.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye.